monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan, some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Welcome to the Bride of the Creature podcast with me, the creature, Joey G. And with me, as always, is the cutest podcaster in town, the bride, Nicole. Hello. Nicole, are you eating donuts? Timbits. Why are you eating Timbits on the podcast? I told you wait. Well, time waits for no man. But I needed to eat Did this. you know that time loves a hero? I like this. Well, they say, boom, time loves a hero, but only time will tell if it's real. He's a legend from heaven. If he ain't, he was sent here from hell. He All right, I'm well. good. No, I'm good now. Leaving. That was a little little feat for you. <clears throat> well, anyway, how are you, love? Good. Can you finish chewing before we continue? I'm trying. <laughs> Try harder. Oh, you're trying, alright. Well, anyway, oh, you got donut bits all over the table. Well, don't oh, throw it on the floor. Bender will eat it. Welcome he, to the show. He's not a vacuum. Well, he kind of is. Uh, this is the show where Nicole and I take turns selecting a movie, a horror movie and or film, and we watch it, and we discuss it, and you get to listen to it, you lucky dogs! So this week we watched... Room 237. Now before y'all get all up in my grill and say, Hey Joey, Room 237 is not a horror movie. Room 237 You're right, it is a horror movie. Room 237 is a documentary film directed by Rodney Asher about the perceived meanings in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which is a horror movie, so fuck you. But right? don't, don't say fuck you to the people. They know who they are. Just, like, just be open-minded, people. Yeah, shut up. Don't be nicer. Now, I don't know if this movie has a trailer, but if it does, you're about to hear it, so I hope you enjoy it. trailer you presumably just heard. Nicole just pointed out that I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm so nervous to do this show with you. I'm such a big fan of yours that uh, I never thought I'd get this chance again. You're so sweet. Aren't I? Well, Nicole, do you want me to tell you what this, the room is? <laughs> oh, fuck me. Do you want me to tell you? Do you? 
want me <laughs> to tell you what Room 237 is about? Oh my god, yes. So the film interviews fans of the film who use their own brand of film analysis and critical uh, theory. Is it called critical theory, I think? Yeah. Uh, to tell you what they think it's about. All the little in things and all this deeper, subtle, deeper meanings. The deeper and the meanings. The symbolism. The symbolisms. And the theories of range the from somewhat compelling to charmingly eccentric to laugh out loud stupid. Like, full on embarrassing. Well, I don't think it's embarrassing. The conspiracy theorist guy who said we didn't land on the moon is embarrassing. Well, he's I just, embarrassing. He's just a little confused. He's just a fucking idiot. <laughs> Nicole, tell me. Tell me what you thought of, the, of Room 237. I want to get into your brain. I thought it was really interesting. It was different than I expected um, it to be. I When you first were telling me about it, um, or I first heard about it from other people, I thought it was going to be what Stanley Kubrick actually was doing with oh. it. You know, I thought it may be, not really him, people who worked on the movie with him would, with more insight would right. know. Not just random yahoos. Not just random yahoos. So, but once I got past that, it was really interesting to see people's different perspectives and just how, what they got out of it and things I never would have gotten out of it. But it was interesting because when they pointed it out and the, their background and their theories... Some of them I could totally see why they got that from that movie because of because of how their brain works. You yeah. get inside other people's brains, which was interesting. I actually thought it was much more interesting than hearing about what Stanley Kubrick was doing. I, I really, mean, like, I would have rather heard what Stanley well, Kubrick that was kind doing. Of take away some of the magic, though, if you hear the filmmaker tell you what the movie's about. Maybe a little. Like the beauty of a lot of these kind of films is that you can do exactly what these crazy people are doing. You know, um, so. Uh, Overall, yeah, I, I thought that, to me, uh, one of the biggest things I got out of this film was the fact that I thought that the whole... The thing really, one of the major themes for me in this film was talking more about obsession. And uh, the way... Because if you listen to the different characters who speak, whatever topic that, it is that they are really interested in, whatever they're obsessed with, is, what they, is what they see in the movie. So I think that says a lot about how we perceive art. Yes. And a lot also about... Have I ever told you about something called pareidolia? I think you have, but I don't remember the term. Pareidolia is this phenomenon that exists in the human brain where it's where human beings are really good at pattern seeking and finding patterns in things that sometimes do and sometimes don't actually have a pattern. So, for example, when you see a face in clouds yeah. or when you see the man in the moon or any kind of... You look for recognizable shapes and patterns that... So you make an abstract yeah. art. You yeah, look exactly. for things you, in it that you and see. And that's called pareidolia. And this movie could have very well been called pareidolia of the movie because there's a lot of people deciding that, for example, the girl talking about the Minotaur in the middle of the labyrinth, how the whole movie is all about the story of the Minotaur. And there's a sequence in particular where she shows the poster that she says is the Minotaur. But really, somebody skiing? It's clearly someone skiing. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, it's 100%... Definitely, because it's, it's a no, ski lodge. There's no room for interpretation there. It's literally skiing, but she is convinced herself that what she actually sees is what she's looking for. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting thing, and it kind of says a lot about how, when you're an artist, once you create a piece of art, once that art has left you and gone out into the world, it doesn't belong to you anymore, and anybody else can interpret it however they want and can impose their own agendas onto it, just like the moon landing guy. You know, he clearly has an agenda in this film, right? He is convinced, like you said, remember earlier you were talking about how he was being followed or... Oh, yeah, he and he said, like, he was kind of bragging about in the movie that 
that the government topped his phone and was following him and stalking yeah. him. Do you think they actually did, no, or is that not. just in his head? Of course it's in his head, but he clearly has an agenda. He has proven that the moon landing was fake. He has all the answers, and he has convinced himself that this movie vindicates all of his theories. Because we all like to know that we feel like we're right. So you look for vindication of your own pet theories and anything you can find. Yeah, that that was one of the theories that I couldn't. That's the laugh out loud, stupid one. Couldn't really get behind. I couldn't see how he saw that in the movie. Well, how Stanley the Kubrick Minotaur faked the one. I couldn't see how. I could see bits of it, but the one, the big thing with the poster. I mean, her idea of the because it has the maze, you know. And the look of his eyes was like horns of his, his eyebrows <laughs> looked like bit. horns. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that means just Jack Nicholson <laughs> making a scary face, but he did good scary face. He does. But I, I think that that's one of the great things about uh, in film, and in particular these Kubrick films, is that you can uh, look for any interpretation in any piece of art, really. You can do that, for, but these guys really go over the top. It really did take me back to my art school days of being in art criti- critiques and um, analyzing other people's art. Yeah. And then a lot of our critiques, the artists didn't get to speak to, to their art till after everyone else had said things. Right. So it was just interesting that way to me. It kind of took me back. Um, I like. I kind of liked the one the theory about the uh, the the, the genocide of the Ameri- the Native Americans, yeah. and um, because when he pointed out his symbolism that he saw, I could totally see what he was thinking. Yeah, I mean, they're ve- the, the big clues for him are really minor. So, like, for him to have noticed that, you'd have to be looking for it. It was pretty cool though that he noticed yeah, that. But again, it pointed out what we said is the only reason he notices it is because he grew up on the this yeah, river with the same background. name, so he knew what that word meant. So he immediately brought all this baggage of the things that he already perceived and already thought into the movie with him. And same with the Holocaust. I could see a lot of yeah. that symbolism can, in there. I think you can project the Holocaust. Holocaust on, almost any piece yeah, of I think so. It's, it's pretty much the defining moment in, in the human history of the last 200 years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you I think there's an argument anywhere. to be made that you can, you can find bits of the Holocaust everywhere. So besides those theories that were that I could at least see where they were coming from, um, the ones that I really liked was the one, the lady who actually mapped out the uh, the, I don't the know, floor plan of the uh, Overlook Hotel. Of the yeah. Overlook Hotel. Because there was not real science to it. But, None whatsoever. But she did spend a lot of time looking at the movie and making... Uh, floor plans for it and seeing that there was a window where there shouldn't be a window and I just liked that one I thought that one was really interesting because it did have some root in what we could actually see in the movie I, I agree and I think that, that was one of the things that really made me think of how much this film could have to do with the nature of human obsession like that's a really obsessive thing for this woman to do she probably watched it like a million times and mapped all of Danny's movements to show where and how the where they took place in the movie and how that doesn't make sense and how what it could mean and same with the guy who who uh, syncs the movie cool. up with they played the movie forwards and backwards at the same time overlaying each other and then showed you all these images and talk about how they overlaid but a lot of them it, it looks really cool like as oh, far as an art project goes it looks cool visually it was yeah. stunning but a lot of the things that they point out and how they sync up unless there's the commentary track telling you what you're seeing and how it's linking up a lot of those connections I don't think most people would have made. No, but there was one that I thought of before he said it, where Jack sure. Nicholson's face lines up with the house, um, and 
the, his eyes are with the windows and the, the door is at his nose and it makes him look like a clown. And yeah. I thought that before he said that. So it, visually it is pretty stunning. Yeah, to, to me it was a lot of like, if you're looking at a cloud and someone points out the face that they're seeing, suddenly that's all you can see. But I said I thought said No, that. I know. That's why I was saying to me. That's what the word oh. me. That's because you don't listen to me. I do you, listen. You don't. You hear, as soon as you hear that it's about me, you're like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> no, I listen. But I would. I could watch the whole movie that way and just the, see it as visual art because it yeah. looked it looked so cool overlaid with it each other. Cool. It but it was kind cool. of like how people say the Wizard of Oz matches yeah. up perfectly with Dark Side of the Moon and you play at the same Lots time. Lots of you, things match up. Yeah. I can remember when we used to... Put watch much music in your basement, and we'd mute the TV and put our own music on the CD player and laugh at how much the music, whatever we were listening to, would sync up with what they were dancing on the screen. Yeah. It was funny. So it, it, it's the exact same idea. So, but that one looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. And the, I liked the it way the maps cool looked. It also looked cool when like Britney Spears would dance to no effects. I mean, <laughs> no, this was more artistic than that. Uh, I thought this was pretty artistic. I don't think that's you're just, punk rock isn't art. I'm just saying Britney Spears is not art. Yeah, fuck Britney Spears. No, I fuck her, but just fuck her. <laughs> but yeah, Which one so did you like? Which theory of did the you the theories? Yeah. Uh, well, I thought that they were all... I'm, I'm more found like the idea of those theories kind of interesting. The one that I thought was more compelling, that, like maybe you have something there, had to do more with the Indians, the Native Americans, or the Holocaust. But the other ones, I was just like, these are fun. These are cute. And then the... Remember I actually laughed out loud at the moon landing one? Yeah, that one was silly. I thought you were going to yell at me because I was laughing at the movie. But I was laughing at that person, not the movie. Um, I liked them all, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was that as we were watching it, I was thinking about, I kind of, I didn't quite zone out of the movie, but I was starting to think about how all these visuals in, this, in The Shining, I started thinking of the ways that they would totally fit in with my theories about David Lynch movies, and I was like, I'm just, I'm doing it, I'm doing the exact same thing that all these other people do. <laughs> my ridiculous obsession is, is being projected onto this piece of art that I'm looking at. So that was pretty cool. Nicole, what do you give this movie out of 10? Um... Well, it wasn't quite what I was wanting it to be. I don't know if that's a criticism of the movie. It's really not. But I'm, I don't know. I just I didn't enjoy it as much as you, I don't think. It was really interesting. But I think i just give it a 7 out of 10. I wouldn't watch it again or anything. I probably would. I'd give it a 9. But I think that's too high. I'm going to give it an 8. But uh, yeah, i give it an 8. I thought it was really good, really interesting, and just like a really thought-provoking doc. And yeah, it was thought-provoking. I quite enjoyed it. So let's move on. What do you say? Sure. Once again, no would you rather because we didn't do it and it's dumb. So uh, we'll go on to the following is based on a true story. Nicole, I'm going to explain the rules of this game because I know that they confuse you. I'm going to read to you four <laughs> movies. confused. Yeah, a little bit. No. One thing that I must point out now. We're, we've now done about 20 of these games, thereabouts, something like right. that. And I have to find three real movies for every one. Now, I have lots of fake movie ones still coming up. Those are easy. But finding real weird horror movies that you either haven't heard of or aren't really obvious yeah. has become really difficult. So, uh, I'm opening it up a little bit. So now, not they're not all necessarily going to be horror movies in this game anymore. Uh, they'll I'll try to make them as horror or at least as weird as possible to make them lean towards horror. But I can't promise that all of these movies are going to be horror anymore because I'm running out of good ones. I accept that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So the rules article, I'm going to give you four movies and their synopses. It is your job to use your skill and judgment to determine which of the four is a big, fat phony. Got it. One of them came from my imagination. Some all weird place in there. It's pretty great. Nicole, <laughs> are you ready to play the following is based on a true story? You know it. Joey, are you ready? Yes, I am. <laughs> are you ready at home? Good. Then let's begin. Nicole. <laughs> 
The following is based on a true story. Film number one. High Top Bloodbath. The circus comes to town, and the bloodthirsty cannibalistic carnies wreak havoc on the unsuspecting residents. That sounds awesome. Right? Film number two. Trailer Park of Terror. Six high school students and their chaperone, an optimistic youth ministries pastor, return from an outdoor character-building retreat in the mountains. After their bus crashes, stranding them in the middle of the trucker's triangle, which is a forgotten locus of consummate evil in the middle of nowhere, the group seeks shelter for the night in a seemingly abandoned trailer park. However, when the sun sets, it's not refuge they find. Instead, they find Norma, a damned redneck reaper with a killer body who dispenses vengeance and death. Aided by her cursed companions, a bloodthirsty brood of undead trailer trash. See, I feel like, I think I've seen a trailer for it before. Maybe you have, or maybe it's a big fat pony. Time will tell. Maybe there's a movie like it that I've seen a trailer for. Maybe. Film number three. The Horror of Party Beach. Party Beach! Sea creatures created from radioactive sludge terrorize a beach community. Stay out of Malibu, Lebowski. You love beach movies. Stay out of my beach community, you gold bricker. You love beach movies. That's that's quite possibly one you made up. possible. And number four, film number four, love exposure. Yu Honda, the son of a Catholic priest, falls in with a gang of upskirt photographers in an attempt to generate sins that he can confess to his father. (laughs) One day, while dressed in drag after losing a bet, he falls in love with Yoko, a man-hating schoolgirl who believes him to be a woman. He strives to woo her despite the mistaken identity, but a mysterious girl named Koike and a brainwashing cult seem intent on preventing you from ever winning Yoko's heart. What's his name? Yoko. Well, his name is Yu. Yu Honda. Yu Honda? Yeah. I feel like you would not make up a name like Yu Honda. You don't know that. It's a Japanese name. The third one is the fake. You, is that your final? So wait, let's review them. <laughs> I don't even top, need to review them. We have High Top Bloodbath. Circus that, comes to town. Wait, you know I love circuses. You could be getting inside my head right now. Well, if I knew you loved circuses, wouldn't I not make a circus movie? So you, because you'd pick it. You're just trailer to Park of Terror. Me. You know, horror, I like Trailer Park Boys. The horror of Party Beach. I'm really f- sea sea monsters creating from sludge terrorizing the beach community, or love exposure. And so I'm going with my gut on this one. It's the third one. Your gut tells you it's the horror of Party Beach. Is that your final answer? Final answer, Joey. All right, Nicole. Let's go through these. I'm really excited right now. Film number four: Love Exposure. It's a real movie, and it's not a horror movie. It sounded weird enough that it could be, but it's not. You wouldn't have made up a name like you Honda. Maybe I would. I know a lot about Japanese you know, culture. No, you know nothing. Nicole, Trailer Park of Terror is a real movie. I knew it. You did know it, which means that the horror of Party Beach is a real movie. No! <laughs> High Top Blood Death came from my imagination. I would totally watch the horror of Party Beach. It does sound good. But, uh, nope, I'm afraid that you did not come up with a wiener on this one. You're back to your losing ways, and I am the champion <laughs> My once losing again. ways. I'm back on top, baby. Woo! It's a good thing I already have a lot of self-esteem going into this marriage because, jeez, <laughs> you just take it all away. Wow, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> no, you're too harsh. You're harsh. <laughs> you are the one who is the harsh uh, one. Damn, you tricked me. Good hey, one. let's just uh, Good mention. one, Joey. Yeah, you're welcome. A uh, little housekeeping here. Nicole, we just came back from the uh, the HorrorCon this week. Oh, this yeah. Day, right? I met Bill Mosley. She did meet Bill Mosley. He was, was in House happy. of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. And he shook, he shook my hand. I was kind of starstruck by him. He's actually more him. famous for being in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with his chop top. 
I've not seen that. Oh, you should. It's really great. But anyway, I was very, very happy. I got a Bride of Frankenstein him. poster. Yeah, and it's an awesome, like, vintage old school poster. It's really good. It's a different format. It's, like, long yeah, poster. Yeah, it's like the style of the poster from when the movie It was out. pretty small, though, the convention. Like, well, they need a bigger space, but it was yeah. good. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, would I go, saw Tom Savini. I'd go next year. Yeah, me too. We also saw the Candyman. Tony Todd. We saw the girl who was in, uh, who was the punk rock chick who gets naked in Return of the Living Dead. She still looks great. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, don't be so mean. I'm not saying she didn't look fine, but she didn't look as good as she did in Return of the Living Dead 30 years ago. <laughs> but I don't look as good as I did in Return of the Living Dead 30 years ago either. No, you don't. I played the half a dog. <laughs> Nicole, should I tell you guys what's coming up next? It's your what's pick, next on right? The schedule? It is my pick. Isn't that exciting? It's so I know everyone at home exciting. is like, so relieved. We are going to watch a psychological thriller. And there's a reason for that. We're not watching like a really scary supernatural thing this time around because I'm about to go away for a week for work. And Nicole's going to be home by herself for a while. I still have not recovered from The Conjuring, which wasn't so... That scary. Uh, <laughs> so basically, it's more like a, a brain thriller. He's described The film has been described as a horror story without screams or frights. So it's more a thinker. What, don't you think this is going to disturb me more? No, because you don't get disturbed by stuff. You only get scared by like obvious things. <laughs> that was like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Didn't you enjoy it? I'm glaring at I you can, right I, now. I know, I see that. Uh, anyway, the film is The Skin I Live In, which was the 2011 film from Spanish director Pedro Almodovar, whom I like a lot. I've seen a lot of his films. You've seen a couple with me. You saw all the, We watched all of my mother together, and we back at your old parents' house, and you've seen Volver with me, remember? No, I've not Penelope seen Volver. Penelope Cruz. You know who's in this movie, Nicole? Who? Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Uh, so yeah, this is Pedro Almodovar doing uh, a horror story without screen. What's it Christ. called? The Skin I Live In. The Skin it I won, Live uh, In. It won Best Film Not in English at the British Academy Awards, and it uh, premiered in competition at the 64th Annual Cannes Film Festival. Wow. Yeah, so I'm excited. I've been wanting to see this for a while. I'm actually, actually kind of excited too by that description. Yeah, I actually really like Pedro Almodovar films anyway, so I'm really excited to see it. I haven't seen Volver though. We've started it at least a couple times then. No, because we went and saw The Letters of Iwo Jima instead. Yeah, I have it on DVD. We watched it with Michael and Sarah at my house once. I and I fell asleep. Didn't I fall asleep? You then? might be dead, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> We've started it a couple times. I've seen it, but oh. anyway, it's really good. Penelope Cruz is in that movie. She's not in this one, though. This one has a different girl named Elena. Hello. Elena Anyaya. <laughs> okay. Spanish language. Oh, my God. Okay. And you know who does the music? Alberto Iglesias. Jose Luis Alcane. Jose Salcido. It's not, okay. it's not racist because it's Spanish. So that's what we're watching next week. Um, we, the episode, we're planning to have it up on time despite my absence because we care deeply we love doing professionalism this. Professionalism and each other. That's mostly right. Mostly professionalism. That's right. So until next week, I am the creature, Joey G. And I'm the bride, Nicole. Y'all stay scary now. Kissy, kissy. How could this woman ever decide to wed this man?